And welcome to a, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason, a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Sonny, them sit at the corner, the intersection of faith and pop culture, talking about the issues that come our way. And Dan, October is always a fun time of year for many reasons, and for many different people, those reasons vary. But for me, it's the World Series, Major League Baseball playoffs, and... um we're getting ready for the World Series as we have this conversation right now currently, but Game 7 of the National League Championship Series saw the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Arizona Diamondbacks starting pitcher, Brandon Fott, he was in the dugout before the game, and the camera panned to him, and he was reading his Bible. He goes out. And pitches four innings, gives up a couple runs, you know, a few hits, struck out seven, no decision, but a good stat line. And so it brings up the question, first of all, does God care about wins and losses? But then more importantly, what kind of impact does it have when we bring our spiritual life into literally like this guy did? everyday situations. And for him starting game seven, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big deal for him. He had some, some issues coming into the playoffs, struggling a little bit, and then he kind of turned it on and then he was able to contribute to a game seven victory for his team. And now they get to go to the world series. But I mean, it's a pretty powerful testimony with everything that's going on in the world and with all these different things and superstitions and stuff that baseball players are a part of. To see somebody that actually is having a Bible in the dugout, I don't think that's ever, I know Clayton Kershaw and other Christians, you know, have a profound faith and profess it a lot. They don't hide it, but I can't recall a time when somebody actually had a Bible in the dugout that was as visible as what we saw prior to game seven of the National League Championship Series. Yeah, it really is a tremendous witness, isn't it, Son, uh, to, to just think that um, when you're at, when you're at that level of of your career, and you are you know publicly showing that um, your main priority and the source of your strength and guidance and direction is the Lord and His Word, uh, it, it's the kind of testimony we need um, a lot more of. And um, you know, kudos to uh, to this Christian witness to this Christian disciple. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff, of course, in the news right now on a variety of issues, but I can't help but think, Son, as I think about his witness there in the dugout, um, and, and then I think about the just the terrible witness of the student groups at Harvard who came out in favor of Hamas after the barbaric terrorist attack against Israel and when you think that Harvard centuries ago began as an institution to train uh, Christian missionaries, I mean, how far have they fallen from that where there is so much darkness on the campus? Obviously, there has to be when you have student groups that are taking the position they took. So um, we see light and darkness in the world. Um, there in the dugout, we saw light. Uh, at Harvard, we see darkness. Um, last night, uh, darkness erupted there in uh, Lewiston, Maine, with uh, the the shooter who uh, killed 18 people and 
I believe, wounded 13 and, you know, went into the bowling alley and, and, uh, and just took these innocent lives. You know, I guess he, he's had mental issues, uh, but he obviously, um, you know, had enough wherewithal in his thinking to, to plan out something very specific like that. And it's just a horrific thing. Uh, you know, the Bible reveals the devil's nature. Uh, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what Hamas did. And so the Harvard student groups can celebrate death. They're free to do that. But that's not what God created them to do. God created them to do what this picture was doing in the dugout. Uh, and that's giving all the glory to the Lord. So, um, yes, on, you're right on target when you, uh, you know, you highlight that as a very, um, incredible, uh, witness, uh, an incredible thing that he did. And the interesting thing, Tucson, is, you know, you, you watch him and it's just, you know, he wasn't like he was trying to, you know, be showy or anything like that. It's just who he, who he is and, and, and what he felt led to do. And, um, you know, that, that's what all of us, uh, who are disciples of Christ are called to do is to, is to have Jesus with us in everything that we do. Um, our, our careers, our, our hobbies, our athletics, um, you know, there, there's not one area of our life where, um, God says, okay, now you go do that on your own and, and, um, you know, uh, forget about being a disciple. I mean, the closest we ever come to that is when we make a, a trip down to the basement of our sinful nature and Jesus remains in the living room because he's not going to, you know, go down there and, and, uh, and, and hang out down there. Uh, but, um, uh, that's the closest we ever come to doing it on our own. But in terms of our daily life, um, we're, we're to be like that, that, that picture and, uh, whatever, whatever our calling is, uh, we, we are to put the Lord in his word first and, and let the Lord and his word guide us in everything we do. I was listening to a clip of Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry played major league baseball, uh, started back in the eighties, he was a four-time World Series champion, eight-time All-Star, you know, made millions of dollars, had the whole thing. That was um, what he called his greatness for the time. But then his greatness also became his greatest evil or self-destruction. Uh, so he got into drugs and different things. And he goes through this up-and-down conversation about his career, you know, the success and the highs and then the – you know, the darkness and the lows that he went through. And then at some point in time, like every athlete faces the same thing. Someone comes along and says, we don't want you anymore. And in his statement, as in his conversation, as he's talking, he says, you know, as everybody's calling me a bum and everybody's telling me this and that, along comes Jesus and, and Jesus says, I want you on my team. And Daryl Strawberry became a Christian and now he uh, goes around and shares his faith. But that's the one thing that, you know, we all have. If we want to put this into a sports perspective, you know, people might not want us. People might call us bums. People might think we're washed up or has been. We don't have the talent or the ability. It doesn't matter because God wants us on his team. And he's there recruiting us to come onto his team. And all we have to do is just say yes. And then the game plan for it is in the scriptures. You know, he gives us the playbook, the scriptures. And so we can follow that. And even though we're on God's team, we have the highs and the lows, the wins, the losses, and so forth. And I think that uh, that's a pretty powerful statement when he says, you know, Daryl Strawberry, a four-time champion, eight-time all-star, 
says that, you know what, baseball didn't want me anymore, but along comes Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I want him on my team. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful, isn't it, Son? And I think about the millions and millions of people who, um, you know, are not known by the world. I mean, they're known by their family and friends and maybe a few others, but, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have, you know, fame. They don't have fortune. Um, they're, they're what we might call just ordinary people. But, you know, when you look at who Jesus hung out with, who Jesus called to be his disciples, um, you know, it wasn't the influential people. It wasn't, the, um, you know, those who were uh, at the top of the society or the top of the religious world. Uh, you know, these basic fishermen, um, you know, uh, you know, a tax collector, uh, you know, like Matthew. Um, I, I mean, he just called people who were doing their thing in some cases, uh, you know, uh, not, not doing something noble, but God called them into a noble, uh, a noble life. And Daryl Strawberry learned through his life that when he had fame and fortune, uh, that was nothing compared to serving the King of Kings who would always be there for him, even when the world uh, says we don't need you anymore. So that's, that's the way the world uh, operates though. It'll, it'll use you up. It will, uh, you know, put a spotlight on you. If you have something that can sell, uh, you know, people can sell, you know, magazines or newspapers or something, uh, you know, subscriptions, uh, something online, um, you know, uh, news stories, uh, or, or just the sports world, you know, the world will use you up until there's nothing left to give. Uh, and man, for some people, son, that's when Jesus then finally gets a second look from some people who, who maybe neglected and, and overlooked him before because they were so preoccupied with the world. And what they come to find out is Jesus was there all along. Now, now some people don't wait until that as, as referenced by the, uh, the baseball picture there uh, that you start with today. It started with today. Um, some people, uh, you know, walk with the Lord through all of that. I mean, I think of like Tim Tebow, for example, um, you know, there've been, you know, famous athletes, uh, you know, Michael Chang was a professional tennis player. Who, who walked with the Lord. And uh, I'll never forget, Son, back in 1989, Michael Chang won the French Open uh, ten, uh, tennis tournament, uh, one of the majors. And they were interviewing him there uh, in the stadium after the match. And one of the first things he did, if not the first thing, and, and other athletes have done this too, but he gave glory and credit to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what was so ironic uh, is that the fans who had been cheering him moments earlier, um, some began to boo. Some got up and left the stadium. They were so embarrassed, so embarrassed of, of Jesus, so ashamed of, of, of Jesus. And even though the Lord says, you know, he told his disciples and he tells us today in his word, you know, if you're ashamed of me uh, and, and my words, then, then I'll be ashamed of you, you know, uh, when, when you stand uh, before me one day, before my father. So Michael Chang was not ashamed. Um, this pitcher was, was not ashamed to have his Bible open. Um, and God is looking for people who, who will not be ashamed uh, to be known as a follower of Christ and a lover of, of the Lord and of his word. And, uh, you know, it's becoming, um, I guess, less and less uh, in, in our society today in terms of people who, uh, you know, openly 
uh, talk about, you know, faith in Christ, but we need a revival. We need uh, many people to turn to the Lord. If, if, they, if they're going to be saved, they're going to turn to the Lord. Uh, there is no salvation outside of the Lord. Uh, you can be a success in sports or you could be, you know, nobody in sports. But if you know Christ is your Savior, you'll be a success forever in heaven uh, because of his success on the cross and, and Jesus' empty tomb. So, so that's, um, that's the opportunity that, that everyone has, son. I think about one of the last verses in the Bible. It says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And Michael Chang uh, has done that. Daryl Strawberry, uh, Tim Tebow. Uh, the, the, the pitcher there, I, I forget his name, son. What's, what's the pitcher's name again? His name is Brandon Fott. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, um, you know, people like Brandon there, uh, who, um, are very, very good at what they do, uh, in the sports world. But, um, what, what they're known for in heaven is, is not their athletic ability, but their, but their witness, uh, for their Lord and savior. So I think one of the things that, separates these athletes from other athletes potentially is the fact that they don't have their identity in their sport. A lot of people, a lot of athletes will struggle with their post playing days in retirement because that was their identity. That's who they were. That's why a lot of times you see athletes go on to try to coach, maybe try to get into the announcer's booth, do something to stay a part of the game. I can completely understand that. I can understand wanting to be a part of the game as long as possible. But I think some of them also have an identity issue because that was their identity. That was, you know, what they based life on, winning, not losing, accolades. And when you look at people like the um, like Tim Tebow, for example, didn't have too much success in the pros. He did in college, but not so much in the pros. You look at someone like a Kurt Warner. You look like someone like uh, Ben Watson, um, you know, and some of these other athletes. You know, their identity is not in the sport that they're playing, but their identity is in Christ, and it, and that shows, it reflects. So, you know, yes, naturally we get high with the highs, we get low with the lows, but in the end we're pretty even keel because that's not our identity. And for these athletes, you know, I think it helps them because their identity is in Christ, and no matter what happens, win or lose, they know God's in control, and this is just a part of life. And I think that is something that also is a little bit different because we look at Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers, you know, good pitcher, probably in the Hall of Fame one day. But when it comes to the postseason, the playoffs, he is miserable. He cannot do anything in the postseason. And people would look at that and be like, why does God forsake you in the postseason? But it has nothing to do with the wins and losses. I think it has something to do with the, A, talents and abilities that God gives these people, and then, two, a platform in which to share their faith so that they can impact others and that the gospel gets spread to even a different or through a different venue, like in sports, to a whole different group of people that might, may or may not be open to, you know, something like that if it didn't come from perhaps one of these type of athletes. Yeah, that's uh, definitely the case, Son. And I, I think about some of those athletes, I'm thinking now of like football players, for example, Son, who you know, when they score a touchdown, you know, they'll, they'll point to heaven or they will, um, you know, give God glory um, for that. And that's all well and good. But I, but I think that the, the bigger witness is, is given by the one who, let's say, gives God the praise and glory, maybe even though he dropped a pass or they didn't win the game. You know, I, I think about a very strong Christian right here in Nebraska who's been 
uh, an assistant coach on the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, for years, Ron Brown. In fact, we had him speak at, at our church here a number of years ago. But, um, uh, excuse me, Ron Brown, a very strong Christian. And, and uh, you know, they'll often, you know, be praying, you know, after the game, you know, win or lose. They're in the end zone uh, or wherever they, they kneel to pray. Uh, I mean, Ron Brown is the type of Christian where, you know, he's not going to just be praying or celebrating the Lord with a victory. He recognizes that sometimes it's in uh, earthly defeat that we're able to shine the brightest for the Lord because we're able to show the world that as much as we would have liked to have won the game, I mean, who doesn't want to win? You're competing to win, you know, you train to win, you're, you know, you want to win, but um, you're, you're, you're playing for a higher cause ultimately in purpose and, and person, you know, you're, you're, you're serving the Lord. And, and so if there is a defeat in the athletic realm, um, the victory is still yours. Uh, no one can take that victory away uh, now that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. His death and resurrection guarantees your eternity in heaven. So, I mean, how could a, how could a, a football loss or a, a baseball playoff loss or a, a loss in, the, let's say, the, the French Open tennis tournament or whatever it might be, you know, 100 years from now, that's not going to matter. 100 years from now, uh, you know, people are, you know, living today. I mean, most of the people living today, very few exceptions of that. Uh, you know, I suppose some, you know, very, you know, uh, young newborns who, who may live over a hundred, but, but, you know, most people, 99.9% of the people will be in either heaven or hell. And there are only two options on the other side of the grave. So, um, this is what people like Tim Tebow and, and Michael Chang and, and the pitcher there, Brandon and others have, have come to realize that, um, sure, I'd like to win. I want to win. I work hard to win. I train hard to win. I'm, um, you know, but, um, but if we don't win this game, if we don't win this match, you know, if, if we don't come out on top, um, hey, I'm still going to give glory to my Lord and Savior because he is worthy of praise, win or lose. He is worthy of praise, um, whether I have the health to compete or not. Uh, he's given me the health to compete. And, and, and so it's a beautiful thing to see, uh, like what was witnessed there by Brandon sitting there in the dugout with his Bible, you know, uh, and, and it, what a, what a great way to prepare to then go on to a big stage and use your athletic gifts, but, but to realize that you're there because God has given you that platform. In fact, it's interesting. So I think you, you were going to maybe uh, have us talk a little bit tonight about the new speaker of the house and, uh, um, the little bit I've heard of him so far, uh, you know, I, I heard that uh, he, um, was telling everyone, you know, Hey, you know, we're in this position because God has put us here and he's given us this opportunity. And, and, and I guess he's a strong Christian, you know, and, uh, and, and so that, uh, that bodes well for, uh, for that body uh, of, of politicians, if they'll follow his, you know, lead on many things and, and they can learn a lot from him. Uh, and so God has Christians in various realms and spheres and jobs and vocations and, uh, politics and in the media. And, you know, we've often talked about, you know, people like, you know, Kirk Cameron, for example, and, and, and others in Hollywood who, uh, you know, Jim Caviezel, um, my goodness. I mean, you talk about being sold out for Jesus, uh, Jim Caviezel is sold out for Jesus. And, and that guy just, uh, you know, uh, speaks with such, uh, depth and, and passion. And of course, you know, he, he, uh, he played the part of Jesus in the passion and, and did a superb job with that. But, uh, but yeah, we uh, we're blessed to have uh, folks like that um, in, in various spheres of life, 
whether it be professional sports, whether it be, um, you know, Hollywood, uh, wh- whether it be, uh, you know, politics. Um, and, and of course, those folks need our prayers because, uh, you know, they, they are on a very large stage. And they have an opportunity to influence a lot of people for Christ. Yeah, and Dan, you take a look at someone like, you know, Kirk Cameron, for example, who, you know, made his start with growing pains and became kind of famous or his name became famous then. But then he, you know, kind of turned that into a ministry, you know, more than an actor. Of course, he's been in some movies and stuff since his, uh, in his adult days, but he's really turned his life into a ministry and kind of given up Hollywood from the Hollywood perspective. And, Unlike, you know, maybe like, uh, Jim Caviezel, who's still using Hollywood as a platform. And so you've got these celebrities, um, you know, like the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, women's softball team, you know, they won their third straight national championship and they're on ESPN. And ESPN is asking, you know, the typical post championship questions and they start sharing their faith. There's three players sharing their faith. And they said, like, even as a team, it helped that their faith brought them together as a team and, and benefited the team, not only just them as individuals. And so no matter where you're at in life, you know, it's important not only for us to follow Christ individually, but also to be around those or be a part of things, businesses, entities, whatever, if we can that have something that has to do with Christ. Because if you take a look, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, Mike Johnson at the House of Representatives, if there's one place in the entire world that definitely needs a dose of Jesus is the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, because that place is in shambles. And we go through all this process and all this nonsense and you have you know the pundits doing their thing and you got Kevin McCarthy backstabbing his thing and all this nonsense and then lo and behold who rises to the top you've got a Christian who is pretty devout who's pretty much normal for the sense of normalcy when it comes to just being a person and so here's someone that you know could rise to the occasion that could be very beneficial and influential in politics and he's someone that is just like the Jim Caviezel or the Kirk Cameron or the Daryl Strawberry or whichever athlete or musician you want to talk about, but definitely in the world of politics, much like, you know, Mike Pence was at one point before he kind of, you know, poisoned himself in that whole, uh, you know, Trump pool thing. But again, someone like him being at the house of, uh, in the house of representatives as the speaker could go, uh, could have a big impact on some of the politics that are now going to take place in our country. And that's going to be huge. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, son. And uh, I don't think, you know, uh, many of us saw this coming uh, and, and including us Christians. I mean, you know, who would have thought that, uh, um, you know, someone this devout would, would, would be the one then ending up in this position. So we definitely want to pray for him, for his wisdom, for his protection, um, that, that the Lord will, will use him mightily now, uh, in, in this, uh, in this opportunity that he's now been given. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see. And like you said, Son, I mean, if there was ever a place though that, that needs, uh, a, a huge dose of Jesus, a huge revival, um, it, it, it would be, um, it would be there in Washington. So, um, we'll pray that, that, uh, you know, he's able to, um, you know, accomplish some, some good things along with, with others there that he's working with. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but, um, there's no shortage of 
things going on in our world right now that need prayer. Um, you know, Israel and, and what they've gone through, um, you know, what these folks now in, in Maine on a much smaller scale compared to Israel, but nevertheless, uh, you know, very traumatic and, and terrible event um, there with uh, the, the shooting there and then just everything in Washington. I mean, there's always uh, a lot going on that needs, needs, needs prayer. And of course, as we know, Son, in the midst of all of this, there are people every day all over the nation, including these, um, you know, these, uh, these 18 individuals uh, who, who were killed in that shooting, um, who are entering eternity every day. Uh, and and they're going to their eternal destination. So uh, much to pray for, much to work toward, uh, much to keep our eyes on um, as, as we fix our, our thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and, and the tremendous sacrifice that he endured on the cross um, at, at the hands of, of, of those who just, you know, brutally uh, crucified him, but he willingly went through that because we needed a Savior, and he died there for our sins. And that's why we have life. That's why we have hope. Um, that's why, whether it be sports, politics, or war going on in the world, um, underneath it all, we have a foundation that will never crumble. And, and that, that foundation is Christ. And when, you're, when your faith is in Christ, um, you have the victory. Um, even when things in this life don't go the way you'd hoped they'd gone, or, or maybe they go in a very bad way for you, uh, a very harmful way or a painful way uh, for you. Um, they, they did for Jesus. They went in a very painful way for him. But the plan was always there for, for Christ to die and then rise again for our salvation. So we're so blessed to have uh, the Lord and Savior that we do. And um, we see these needs all around us that, uh, that are calling us to prayer. I think in this climate that we're living in right now, just in these last few, you know, you want to take a look at the last 24 hours even you know you've got the wars you've got the crime you've got um you know all this stuff going on and we just don't know i mean we could be in a bowling alley when our life has ended we could be on the freeway when our life has ended you know we could be at a peace festival like they were in you know south israel when your life ends we just don't know and so the one thing we have to do is be prepared we have to be focused because i think you know, focus and preparation kind of go hand in hand, especially for an athlete. You know, you got to be focused on the prize, which is either winning the championship, um, becoming the greatest ever, whatever your focus is. And then that preparation that you put in is going to try to help the success or move you towards success that moves you closer to that uh, ultimate goal. And so for us, if our goal is to spend eternity with Christ, then our focus should be on that. Obviously, we have to live in this world, but not be of it. But focus on that and then prepare for that because we don't know. Tomorrow isn't promised, and we could gain the whole world but lose our soul. What does that leave us? And so in the end, if we're not focused on the cross and if we're not preparing for that, then we're pretty much kind of just living a life in vain because at some point we all take our final breath and when we die, we either enter the presence of God or we exit the presence of God. And when we die, in fact, in that same uh, piece from Daryl Strawberry that I was talking about, he even says, you know, hey, you should get to know Jesus now, not wait till later, now, because he's pretty amazing. And so the emphasis is on we don't know when our life is going to end when we take that last breath. So we need to be prepared now. 
And if we ask that question, if you were to die today, what's going to happen to you? And if you don't have an answer for that, maybe that's something that you need to do and have some self-reflection and really check your soul and check your heart to see where you're at. Because once you die, it's going to be too late. Absolutely, son. You know, I think in the Bible verse, it says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. And, you know, nobody knows when that's going to happen. I mean, these these 18 people in Maine had no idea uh, when they were, you know, going out that evening to go bowling, whatever they were doing, um, that, that some man was going to come in and take their life. And, and we just don't know because life is so fragile. But as you said, um, when, when our faith is in Christ, then our eternity is secure. And no matter what happens to us, even if we were to meet, um, you know, with death much sooner than we would have ever thought. Um, we have the victory in Christ. We have the ultimate healing. Uh, we have salvation. Um, Revelation talks about these in white robes. Who are they and where did they come from? Uh, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so our faith is in Christ. Our trust is in Christ. It, it is his blood that washed our sins away when we were saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven on the front end of our relationship with God. No other belief system, no other religion has that. Um, no other religion has the truth. Uh, now, they may have some truths within, within their system that, um, you know, that have some truth to them, but certainly not ultimate truth, certainly not salvation, certainly not the Savior of the world. Um, and, and so in that sense, you know, they're all false religions. Because they lead people astray. They, 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 they teach people that ultimate truth can be found in something or someone or some doctrine other than, than Jesus. And, and that just isn't the case. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you're going to choose any religion that, uh, that you know, seems right to you, um, you need to understand that the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So there's only one way, just as there was only one door onto the ark that, that Noah built, one door, that was it. And that represented Jesus who said, I am the door, whoever enters through me will be saved. So, Son, if people were to kind of picture, and maybe it's easier this time of year, you know, you know, uh, Halloween coming up and a lot of stuff in the culture dealing with spirits and spiritual things and and whatnot but if people were to kind of picture kind of a spiritual uh realm if you will kind of just above you a bit and that in that realm there are doors and there are doors you can go through now some of those doors uh when when you open them by say dabbling with the occult dabbling with a ouija board which some kids do this time of year or other times of the year um they, 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 they dabble with a Ouija board and that opens up a door for dark spirits to come through. Um, and there are other doors that people open that allow demons to come through and oppress them. Um, but there's only one door that when you, when you go through that door, that door is Jesus and, and you now are seated with Christ, the Bible says in the heavenly realms. What it basically means is, um, he is, you've been raised up with Christ. You've been saved. You've been forgiven. Um, your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life that the Bible talks about. Uh, and it also says in Revelation that uh, those whose names were not in uh, the Book of Life were thrown into the lake of fire. So it's very critical that your name be in that, uh, what I like to call Heaven's Reservation Book, 
which your name enters that when you trust Christ as your Savior. Um, but, but Jesus is the only door in that realm through which you can enter paradise. You know, I mentioned Ouija board, son. I've, I've told this story before. I'll, I'll keep it brief. But I guess with it being this time of year and about, well, what? Now we're just a few days away from well, Halloween, I guess. But um, when my wife, Tammy, we've been married now uh, almost 33 years, but um, she grew up in, uh, in St. Louis. And, and one day when she was a teenager, she and some friends had gotten together and I don't know, somebody had a Ouija board. And, and so these teenagers started messing around with it. And then, you know, Tammy was aware that, you know, and this is not good. Something, it's not something we should be doing, but for whatever reason, you know, she, she just was kind of there when it was going on. And, and, um, anyway, um, this board, then uh, the pieces will move. Um, they'll move. Uh, and I, and I would say they move on their own, but it's not on their own. There are, evil spirits that will move the pieces. You don't have to move them yourself. They, they, they get moved by evil spirits. And anyway, um, the pieces, the letters, it, it spelled something out and it spelled out the letters K I L L T A M M Y. And none of the kids were touching the letters. They just spelled that out, you know, because when you dabble with, with an occultic tool like that, um, you're inviting demons you're opening up the door for demons. And in that case, it was demons, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, just think, son. So, you know, we we're, we're being told that this, this manhunt now for this man who I guess has had mental issues um, and, 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 and killed all these people in Maine. Um, and we're being told that he's had dark voices in his head telling him, you know, go and do this, go and do this. Apparently that's what he, he said before he went into the mental institution. He had dark voices telling him, you know, uh, to go and, 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 and do this. Um, well, where do those voices come from? Uh, many times, I mean, those voices are, are demons whispering. Sometimes to the, um, to the person who, who has uh, a deep, you know, psychological problem, and, and maybe they're susceptible to that, or, you know, maybe it's somebody with, you know, schizophrenia or, 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 or some other uh, you know, psychological issue going on. But, but that man there in Maine, um, he, he, he was influenced, it, it seems, uh, greatly by, by the demonic. I mean, we know Hitler. Hitler, who, who, who's been more uh, evil in the history of the world than Hitler? Not too many. And uh, he dabbled uh, and, and was very immersed in the occult. Um, I, who knows how many demons possessed Hitler? Um, you, you know, Son, when, when we... When we see what the Hamas terrorists did, um, and, and much of it we haven't seen, thankfully, it would be just be so barbaric. Who, who would want to see these images yet these poor people that went through that? Um, but, but, you know, we're told that there's a, there's a, um, amphetamine, I, I guess I forget the name of it, but these pills, they call it the ISIS drug that apparently ISIS has, has taken. And, and, and when these guys take this drug, it kind of puts them in another, place mentally where maybe they're able to go through with things and, and just have more of a calmness to it. Or I don't know if it's calmness or not, but it, somehow apparently it, 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 uh, helps to facilitate just this brutality, you know, but, but I'm saying, so demons then will use things like that, uh, to get a hold of a person and their mind. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about like AI. We'll, we'll, what, what if demons, uh, started to operate through AI. Is, is that possible? People wonder, well, I mean, it would sure seem very possible. I mean, if, if, if demons can operate through, um, through this man in Maine and through Hamas and through, uh, 
you know, what was his name? Mark David Chapman, uh, the one who killed John Lennon. And, and uh, if I have that right, and, and he's the one who said uh, he heard voices telling him to do it, do it, do it. And he went up behind him, I guess, there by his home. And uh, uh, he walked up on the street and just with a gun, just put a gun to the back of his head, apparently, and shot him. But but where do these voices come from? Where are this man in Maine? And where, where are these voices coming from? What are these spirits that we're spelling out? K-I-L-L-T-A-M-M-Y. Well, these are all doors that, 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 that get opened, um, you know, and um, just like at Harvard, these student groups. What would possess them to rally around Hamas? What, what would possess them uh, to, to, to do such an evil thing? Um, certainly not the spirit that started that institution, the Holy Spirit, uh, when, when, when they started it centuries ago to spread the gospel. And now you've got, what, 30 student groups or whatever that, that came out, like maybe the day of the attack in favor of Hamas. I mean, how dark does your soul have to be? to take the side of, of the barbarians who drug off women and children and grandmothers and, and raped and killed and tortured. I mean, how dark does your heart have to be? I mean, there was this guy in the news years ago called the BTK killer. Um, shockingly, son, turns out he was the president of a Lutheran congregation, I want to say in Kansas, an ELCA Lutheran church, BTK, president of a congregation, hiding in plain sight. Very scary dude. Um, not only lost spiritually, but an instrument of Satan. Um, for decades, tormented that, what, Kansas community. Uh, binding, torturing, killing people. And yet, he was apparently a scout leader, uh, church president. Um, oh, I think his job, I think he was like a code enforcer for the city. He would go around, I, I think, and make sure your, your yard was up to code or, or, you know, so how, how does that, how does that happen? That, that somebody can seem to be, you know, a normal, um, average Joe, but he's really BTK, you know? So where does, where does BTK come from? Where does Hamas come from? Where do these student groups at Harvard come from? Where do these demons come from that were, trying to get these these kids to k-i-l-l-t-a-m-m-y and fortunately nobody there was high on drugs and 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 fortunately nobody there was mentally deranged or or just filled with evil and 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 you know we know there, there are kids that have carried out these sort of vicious acts um and many times at the prodding of of satan so um you know satan is real but but thankfully jesus is real satan is not all powerful he's a created being he was he was a, a good angel until he went rogue and thought he could, you know, he, he was tired of being worshipped in heaven. I'm sorry, he was tired of worshipping the Lord in heaven. And, and he, so he wanted to be worshipped. He got tired of, 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 of Jesus getting all the attention. He wanted to get it. Uh, well, we see how that worked out for him. Jesus said in Luke 10, 30, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Uh, and yet we live, in a, we live in a country, son, where witchcraft is on the rise. Um, and those are doors that people are opening in the spiritual realm. Those are doors. Uh, if you see a church, for example, promoting homosexuality, that's a, that's a door that they've opened up. Demons have come through to deceive people in that so-called church. Um, you know, or, or, or a, a professing Christian who um, is, is supporting abortion. Um, that's a lie. You've accepted a lie. 
you know, the taking of an unborn life. Um, so, so there's a lot of darkness in the world, and the only light that we have is Christ. And coming back now to the, the gentleman who's going to be Speaker of the House, um, we pray, Son, that he'll be an instrument in the Lord's hands. But boy, he's, he's going to have a lot of darkness around him, and he's going to need our prayers and our protection uh, because there'll be people wanting to open up all sorts of doors, um, j- just like there have been, you know, wicked politicians fund- funding Iran for years now. Uh, you know, to give these missiles and this money to Hamas and others, you know, uh, it, it's just unbelievable, you know, the amount of darkness that there is in Washington, D.C. I think that's why we have to be careful with kind of who and what we associate with. You know, last time we got together and talked, we were talking about horoscopes and kind of astrology, but mainly horoscopes. You know, we're not talking about the kind that you get, you know, when you go to Panda Express and you finish off your food, your chow mein, and you pop open a Chinese cookie and it says you'll have great fortune. Um but we're talking about, you know, the daily belief in what the horoscope will tell you. And again, that's just something that then becomes self-seeking because no longer are we looking to fulfill God's plan for us, but now we're looking to fulfill this plan that was set forth by who knows what, you know, and who knows how, or because of the creation, we're going to believe what the creation has to say versus what the creator has to say. And so we have to be very careful as to what we allow ourselves to to be a part of and to, um, you know, partake in. And for some people, you know, that might be, it might depend, you know. For example, somebody might not be able to have a single touch of alcohol, for example, and because that becomes an addictive property for them just, you know, for conversation's sake, while others, you know, might be okay with it. Um, I know some churches that won't do wine because of that very reason. They just stick with the grape juice, you know. Um, and so again, for different people, it might be different things, but we all have to be guarded. We all have to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be exposed to this, the littlest of things, because just like a seed, you know, we're as Christians are called to, you know, scatter seed and then let God, um, allow that seed to produce. But there's also the seed of Satan, the seed of deceit that is being spread around too. And if we allow that to stay in there. You know, those weeds are going to grow and start to entangle our heart. And, and you know, I posted the other day uh, something on social media. It was with the uh, World Series coming up. It was Arizona and Texas. And I just posted something, you know, if you if you can appreciate these two teams being here, because I've been hearing a lot of people talk trash about, you know, these two teams going to the World Series because of whatever reasons. You know, it should have been the teams with the best record or this or that and they're blaming the playoff system, you know, all this, all this stuff. And I just basically said if you – you know, can, if you can appreciate, you know, these two teams being the World Series, then you kind of understand what the essence of baseball is about. And then, man, got all kinds of response. But some of the hate um, and, and, and the, the jadedness and the bitterness that people were, po- were commenting on, you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if you are this jaded and vile about baseball, then you've got some issues in your life that you need to address because just because your team didn't make it, doesn't mean that we can't celebrate those teams that did and just take the loss and go home, enjoy the offseason. In fact, I said that to one respond. He was complaining about it, and I just responded, well, you know, you don't understand what I mean, but that's okay. Go ahead and join the offseason. And he came back, and he just started putting all this personal attacks and stuff. And so, you know, got rid of him. But it's like, dude, what is your problem? Somebody, somehow, something got into you so much that just in your daily life, you're going to have this such vitriol over baseball. So we do have to be careful because that's going to then affect greater things, influence on other people that we have around us. 
Um, and again, it goes back to, you know, we've got to be in the, we've got to be in the scriptures, got to be with our, uh, you know, playbook, knowing it, relying on it, and then being able to, you know, allow our focus to be on the cross, the focus to be on Jesus and make sure that our preparation is that because we can either a become very bitter in this world and let the seed of deceit grow. And two, we don't know when we're going to die and we take our last breath. It's either the presence of God we go or not. And that's uh, some very, very serious consequences, you know, very different and opposing places that we're going to be heading. Yeah, very serious indeed, son. And, you know, just those examples that you, you gave there, it just illustrates what a mess our hearts become when we give into the flesh, when we give into sin. Um, you know, like that, 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 that guy you're, you're talking about who's just going crazy over his team losing and now, you know, making it personal with people and, and, and doing all sorts of antics. You know, I, I, I thought, son, when you, you mentioned him, I thought of these people we've, we've seen more and more of, uh, in recent days who get into these fist fights in stadiums, you know, and now, of course, much of that is, is probably alcohol induced, you know, uh, but, but be that as it may, um, it, it's crazy what, what, what people will do, um, you know, in, in the name of their, their favorite team. And, and then as we think about opening doors in the spiritual realm, uh, I, I think about, you know, the Bible verse that says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So when you go to bed at night angry with someone, um, all night long, your, your, your subconscious is stewing over it. You don't sleep well. You wake up in the morning. That's the first person you think of. You have like this, this resentment now toward them because you gave the devil a foothold. You opened up a door in the spiritual realm by holding a grudge, by the sin of holding a grudge, rather than, you know, praying for that person, even though you didn't feel like it, rather than forgiving that person, even though you didn't feel like it, rather than letting it go, rather than, even though you didn't feel like it, you, you, you've got now this animosity. And so the way to get rid of that is, is to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and, and a, in this case of holding a grudge, but then just pray for that person. Because, of course, you don't feel like it, but you're going to get free then of that grudge by, by praying for them. Uh, Jesus told us that we're to do that. You know, we, we are to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those who mistreat us and, and persecute us and, and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, we, we can be a real hot mess when, when we give in to sin, um, when we dabble with things we shouldn't dabble with. Um, there are all sorts of things out there we have to be careful of. Um, whether it be of attitudes that we're holding against other people, whether it be words that we're speaking, whether it be actions that we're engaged in. Um, but the blood of Jesus washes away it all and liberates us from bondage to that. Uh, you know, the word I was thinking of, Son, when you were talking a few minutes ago about just how certain things just kind of then, uh, you know, prompt something. I was thinking of the word trigger and how, you know, uh, you know, everybody has different triggers. Um, and, and those triggers many times are related to a person's past, maybe their past sins, maybe some past trauma in their life. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't anything they did at all, but, but, but because of something that, where they were victimized, now there's like a trigger, um, you know, when, when something happens. And, and, and so we have to be on our guard uh, against triggers that might, um, you know, just kind of incite us in the direction of, of, of sin. So we need, we need the Lord every moment. Um, and, and again, I, I go back to Brandon on the, uh, on the bench with the Bible. Um, the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon in Ephesians six in our struggle against 
the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, these evil angels, these demons. Uh, the word of God is the offensive weapon. So if somebody really wants to get out in front of their triggers and out in front of their, their temptations and things, on, there's no better way for us to do that than to be in the word of God often, daily, meditating on it, meditating on it, letting it fill our heart and mind. Um, you know, God's word will guard our life, uh, just as Christ guards our life and, and the blood of Jesus guards our life. The word of God has a very strong protective power uh, to it. So again, kind of where we started tonight, uh, we've kind of come full circle. I mean, it, it's back to Brandon on, on the bench, but, but you know, he, he represents millions of Christians who need that word. We need that every day in our life. When we're, when we're on the bench getting ready to go in, you know, we're at home getting ready to go to work. Uh, we're getting ready to go into school. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to go into a, a job interview or we're getting ready to go participate in some event, uh, maybe athletic event. We're on the bench there. We're not yet in the game, uh, but we're about to be. And, and Brandon, you know, gives us an example. Be in the word. You know, there's a saying, son, people talk about being prayed up. You know, like, you know, if you got something big coming up or, or there's some big situation where, um, you know, you're entering, you know, there's going to be just some spiritual battles and everything. You know, people talk about, well, you, you, you really need to be prayed up, meaning just really soak yourself, bathe yourself in prayer um, leading into that thing. Because, uh, because God does amazing things in answer to prayer. Uh, so be prayed up. But I would also say right along with that, um, word up, you know, word up. Uh, uh, meditate on the word, uh, memorize Bible verses. Many Christians have found that to be an incredible, incredible help in their, in their life of discipleship, because then God will bring these verses to your mind when you need them, when you're weak or tempted. Um, so word up, pray up, uh, and then be sure, uh, be sure to gather with other believers because, um, this is, this is the model that Jesus gave us 2000 years ago. Um, I know that with COVID, a lot of people got out of that. Um, and, and, and the enemy knows he can pick you off a lot easier when you're isolated, when you're trying to do the Christian thing on your own, trying to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Um, but, but God wants you to be part of a, of a group of people. And it doesn't matter the size. Um, you know, it doesn't matter the size. But, but you know, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. And there are many, many churches today that, you know, have, you know, 50 people or 100 people. Um, the vast majority of churches, in fact, in America are, are, are that size. Um, you know, I think it was before COVID even, maybe like 80% of churches in America have, have 100 or less. But now it's, you know, significantly lower than that. But, but my point is, um, we, need, we need that community, that Christian community, that support. We don't need hundreds of people. What I mean by that is you don't have to know and interact with hundreds of people. You're not going to be able to. You've got a job or family, let's say. Um, but you need, you need people that you can connect with and, 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 and be a blessing to and that can bless your life. So, so word up, pray up, church up, you know. Um, and, 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 if, and if you haven't found a church yet where you really feel like God's called you, then keep looking until, until you do. But, um, you know, Billy, Billy Graham used to always say at the end of his crusade, uh, you know, as, as he would invite people to come to Christ, he would always conclude things that night by saying, and be sure to go to church next Sunday. Because Billy Graham knew what Christians have known for 2,000 years, and that's Satan trying, he, he tries to isolate Christians. He tries, just like the lions uh, on the African plains, 
you know, they, they, they look for the weak one, the injured one. They'll, they'll try to get a herd running so they can, they can get you isolated and, and separated from the protection of the herd. Maybe you're a baby buffalo. Uh, maybe you're an antelope. Maybe, maybe you're some other animal that they're trying to isolate. And that's what Satan and the demons do. They try to isolate you. Uh, they want you to feel like you're in this all alone. But, but, but God has placed some extra protections there um, in his church, which the Bible says is the bride of Christ. Uh, the church is the bride. It's imperfect as this bride is. Um, it's all we have. And, and the only other alternative is to try to do it yourself. And, and, and that is just fraught with um, unnecessary dangers and problems that you don't have to put yourself through. I mean, any more than, let's say, a teenager who's having some challenges at home, let's say a 14-year-old, they'll all be better off on my own, out on the streets. Yeah, you know, you won't. Um, you may think you will, but you won't. You need the protection of a home. You need parents. You need, um, you know, what, what a home could give. You don't need to live on the streets. Um, there are so many dangers out there if you try to go out there and, and, and make it on your own. And, and the same is true, son, in, in the spiritual realm. So, um, you know, it's like you say, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, time period in which we live. It's, a, it's an interesting time of the year. But um, there's never a wrong time to turn to Jesus, trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus as your Savior, walk with Jesus, and, uh, and then try to tell others about Jesus, because that's why we're here. Because one of these days, God's going to take us. Um, he's going to bring us to our heavenly home. And, hey, there won't be any evangelizing going on in heaven, because everybody there will be saved. You know, everybody there will be with the Lord. But right now, we have opportunities. So even if sometimes it gets discouraging, or, or you know, maybe we're tempted to think, oh, well, you know, um, those people there, uh, you know, those uh, whoever, um, you know, they're, they're, they're such terrible sinners. Well, um, that would be very wrong for us to take that attitude. Um, you know, we need to have the attitude of Christ and reaching out to the outcast, um, to, to those who are lost. And many times Jesus did that one-on-one -on -one with people. And I would just say, son, you know, for, for all listening tonight, you know, look for that one person that, that, that God would, would want you to reach this week. Look for that one person and, and even pray, Lord, bring that person to me. Or maybe you already know who it is. Maybe it's a relative or a coworker or a friend. But um, see what you can do this week to make a difference for their spiritual life. And who knows? It, it might even make a difference for their eternity. Uh, and, and so that's, that's why Brandon was sitting on the bench reading the Bible, uh, because um, he knows that, you know, a World Series victory um, is nothing compared to one sinner repenting and, and, and turning to Christ. And the Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So, um, so that's our mission. That's our privilege. And uh, God will help us as, as we continue to go forth to make disciples. Dan Dozell with us as we talk about the different issues that cross the intersection of Faith and pop culture, and Dan, we appreciate your time and your comments, and we look forward to our next conversation. Well, my it's my pleasure, son. I sure look forward to our, our visits as well, and teaming up with you on this podcast uh, here on Sanctified Reason. It's just such a such a joy, and uh, I know we're going to have uh, some some special guests here in in the upcoming weeks and months, and from time to time, and so that'll also be fun to kind of hear from some other folks uh, on, on a few of these topics with us. And uh, it's just really, uh, really uh, a wonderful thing. And I appreciate all you're doing. 
And for those of you listening, you can uh, check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Sanctified Reason podcast logo, and all of our past shows will pop up. You can also email the show at SanctifiedReasonPodcast at gmail.com. And you can pretty much listen to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, we also have Instagram. We can listen to the shows on Instagram as well. And that is Sanctified Reason Podcast or at Sanctified Reason Podcast. So pretty much easy to find. Reach out, say hi. If there's anything you need, let us know and we will definitely respond. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.